Hey Rebels, I got a show for you today. I, I wish you could see it on video because I, I show you ch charts and stats and pictures, but I hope the podcast will work for you. Um, it's proof that the whole green scheme thing is coming to an end. I'll just give you a sneak preview. You know, in the next two years, Germany, the green capital of the world, we're told, will actually remove more wind turbines than they put in. I know that's hard to believe, but I'll prove it to you in a moment. Um, I'd like you to see the video version of this podcast today and every day. I know you're probably driving or somewhere or you can't watch TV. But I'd like you to consider becoming a premium member. You get the video version of this daily podcast. You get the video version of David Menzies' show, Sheila Gunn Reed's show. And you help support The Rebel. It's eight bucks a month, 80 bucks a year. It's not that much. It means a lot to us. If you go to therebel.media slash shows, you can sign up right there. Therebel.media slash shows and type in podcast as your coupon code to save some money. All right, here's today's show. You're listening to a Rebel Media Podcast. Tonight, I've got some news for you. The green energy revolution is over. I'll show you the proof. It's August 23rd, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Green jobs, green energy, the Green New Deal, that's all we hear about fighting climate change. It's like a kaleidoscope of buzzwords, of word salad. If you try to understand the actual meaning of these buzzwords, the left is saying, help us transition to a green economy. Shut down the economy that we know works, that has been working for a century of the automobile, for a half a century of mass air travel, for two centuries of train travel. So shut down anything fossil fuel-ish. And let's just transition to a new fantasy fuel of future that's perfect in every way, except it doesn't exist. Here's Gerald Butts, Trudeau's guru, the architect of Ontario's disastrous Green Energy Act that built hundreds of wind turbines that maybe spin, maybe they don't, but are so unreliable that in order to meet power demand, the province had to also buy new natural gas-fired uh, power plants. So one power system for the price of too, really. Just insane, which is why Ontario has the highest power prices in continental North America. Just another reason why factories move from Ontario to, to the United States. But Butts, like his buddy Catherine McKenna, the federal environment minister, has never actually done anything. He's a master of the TED Talk circuit. You, you know what that is? Feel-good speeches, buzzwords, fashionable ideas, a bit of futurism, a bit of flim-flam, lots of feel-good self-congratulations. Perfect for for Justin Trudeau here. That's how he made money before he got into politics. He gave speeches at 30 grand a pop at TED Talk-like places. It's perfect for experts who aren't really expert at anything other than sounding like experts. People who use words like deliverology and thinkfluencer. That's who I'm talking about. So yeah, Trudeau, Butts, McKenna. Here's, here's The Onion, a satirical website doing a spoof of one of these eco-TED Talks. My idea to create a car that runs on compost. So how does it work? Well, it's quite simple. Instead of using gas, it uses compost. <laughs> 
compostization. That's my idea for what we'll call the process of converting compost into fuel. The idea is there. It just needs implementation. Step one, devise an idea to create a car that runs on compost. Step two, create the car. We've already completed step one. We're halfway there. I'm an idea man. I link up with implementers and then we share the money. Once the car is produced, we will sell its designs to a major automaker. That's another idea. We just need people to do those things. Yeah, I swear, if I didn't tell you that was a satire, you wouldn't know that was a joke, right? But just how different was that kookiness from Gerald Butts himself talking about a new economy? We think that the oil sands have been expanded too rapidly uh, uh, without a serious plan for environmental remediation in the first place. So that's why we don't think it's up to us to decide whether there should be another, another route for a pipeline. Because um, the real alternative is not an alternative route, it's an alternative economy. Yeah, there's no difference between Gerald Butts and that Onion video, other than one knows he's a joke. Green jobs, show me one. You know, when I travel and I'm lucky enough to travel, I keep an eye peeled for wind turbines, and I always note if they're spinning or not. Just the other day here in Toronto, there, uh, you know, there's a big symbolic wind turbine right downtown Toronto, near the lake at the Canadian National Exhibition Grounds. I was down there. I saw it. It's there for PR reasons, obviously. Uh, it, it wasn't spinning when I saw it a couple of weeks ago, a week ago. Even when it does spin, I don't even think it's connected to the power grid. It's just they're a massive multi-million dollar virtue signal, and it's perfect in that it rarely even spins, so it just it demonstrates the folly. At least it's not rusting and falling, I guess. I, I've seen wind turbines from China to Germany to California to Texas to Alberta, and they all have one thing in common, from my observation at least. Once they're built, and the guy who actually erected them gets his massive subsidy for building them, and he walks away, that's about it. Unless there's some continuing subsidy, there's, there's no commercial incentive to keep them running, to repair them, to certainly not to take them down and recycle them afterwards. In Ontario, because wind turbines get such a massive subsidy if they produce any energy, there might be an economic reason for people to maintain them, but not in most of the world if my own personal observations are anything to go by. I've driven by the wind farms in California. Maybe one in five turbines are even spinning. I've driven by the wind turbines in Xinjiang, China. They broke down almost immediately after they were built. Do you think Xinjiang actually gets their power from wind? No, they got a subsidy, probably from some fool who bought a carbon offset to feel good in London or Seattle. So they were built, you know, coal-fired steel and concrete, put these turbines up, took a picture, and then let them ride because they, they're not worth operating. That's the truth about wind turbines, but don't take it from me and my anecdotes. And don't take it from the ridiculous, never had a real job in their lives pundits like McKenna and Butts and that joker from The Onion. Here's Mike Schellenberger, a journalist and a pro-nuclear activist. Now let's disclose that right here. He, he loves nuclear power and he says that's the real answer to energy and the environment. It's reliable 100% of the time, not just when it's windy, not just when it's sunny. There are no carbon emissions if you care about that sort of thing, and I, and I don't. 
And of course, we have enough uranium both here in Canada and the United States too, at least what Hillary Clinton didn't sell to the Russians. So Schellenberger said this the other day, and I saw it, and I thought, that can't be true. Is that true? He said, renewables bubble popping. Germany installs fewest wind turbines since 2000. Tesla lost $2.6 billion in bailout of Solar City. SoftBank has built or has deals for just 1.6% of Solar Farm's promise. Subsidies ending in US, UK, Germany, local and eco-opposition to renewables growing. I thought, whoa, is that true? I mean, I think it's true. It rings true to me. I can understand why an advocate for nuclear energy would say it, but is it true? Because every day nonstop, I get propaganda from Trudeau and McKenna and that 16-year-old autistic girl, Greta, and the CBC, that green energy is the future. Uh, Could it be that that future is already over? Well, Schellenberger brought the proof, and I'd like to share that with you now. He brought evidence. He says that the industrial wind turbine installations have fallen by 82% in the past year alone in Germany. Really? Just off a cliff like that? Well, yes. He says local opposition on the ground is one reason. No one wants to live under a towering skyscraper height, vibrating, humming, scenery-destroying monster. Those, those wind turbines aren't little. They're, they're as high as a skyscraper, 500, 600 feet, some of them. They'll also kill birds and bats all the time. Wind power, the energy of the future. But there's a catch. Wind power kills birds. Millions of birds could die every year when wind power is fully operational. It doesn't have to be this way. All the time. So often, in fact, that Gerald Butts exempted wind turbines from endangered species laws because he knew they'd kill so many birds they couldn't survive legally if the same standards were applied to them as were applied to, say, the oil and gas industry. In fact, Schellenberger says in two years, more wind turbines will be scrapped than added in Germany. At least in Germany. I guess they actually tear them down in Germany when they're done, unlike China and California, where they just leave them to rust. Here's his source for that. It's, uh, it's a major uh, outlet in Germany called Die Welt. In, in, I don't know if you can see it in Germany. In English, it's called The Collapse of Wind Power. That's the headline. Here's a translation of that into English. It's incredible. So that's wind, but what about solar? An even crazier, costlier scheme. Here's a story from the LA Times. They love eco stuff out there. They're talking about Elon Musk's scheme to sell you solar panels for your house. Boy, was that a sexy story three years ago. Here's the LA Times back then. Now I'll hand it to Musk. The lad knows how to get grants and subsidies and PR. Uh, Building stuff, not quite so much. But here we are today. and, And well, let me quote the Times. Just last month, they said, Elon Musk once called Tesla Inc.'s $2.6 billion acquisition of debt-burdened Solar City Corp. blindingly obvious. Three years later, it's anything but. Tesla, which gets most of its revenue from automobiles, installed just 29 megawatts of solar generating capacity in the second quarter, its fewest megawatts yet in a single period. That's down from its previous low of 47 megawatts in the first quarter. At its height, Solar City installed more than 200 megawatts over three months. They're just barely in the solar game, said Joe Osha, an analyst at JMP Securities. Yeah, so that's an 86% decline. <clears throat> Tesla blew $2.6 billion bailing out failing solar city. Um, you know, down 86%, abandons 
much hype, roof tiles. Tesla would be better off shutting the solar business down. It's always the hucksterism, though. I mean, I sort of like Elon Musk, I'll be honest. He's a bit of a rogue. He's a bit zany. Uh, I, I like his life story. I like his mum. He cultivates this quirkiness. How can you not like that? But I actually sort of think it's an act. He's a master. Not so much in industry. Maybe he is. I don't know. But at, at masking his grant-seeking behavior, his subsidy-hunting behavior under a layer of wow. He's like Willy Wonka. He's a nutty professor. Yeah, he is, but he's also a bit of a flim-flam man. I mean, his Saudi, I mean, sorry, another company, um, Saudi and Indian schemes are just that schemes, right? This isn't Elon Musk now. It's SoftBank now. Let me talk about that company. SoftBank promised to build 220 gigawatts. So that's a thousand times a megawatt. So this is, they're, they're promising to build a thousand times more energy than Elon Musk. Holy moly. In India and Saudi Arabia, well, India could use the power, right? Saudi Arabia has oil, but they got a lot of sun. Well, they, 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 they just haven't done anything. They, they've signed a few deals, just three gigawatts, but they're just deals they haven't, they haven't built it yet. But it's about the flim flam. Look, no one wants to see these massive solar or wind things in their neighborhoods. There's a reason why they're built in rural places, because urban hipsters wouldn't actually want to live under a forest of wind turbines or surrounded by massive solar farms. That's for the little people to put up with, or really rural people, poor people who can't complain, whatever. For those of you in Toronto, in Ontario, you remember that a huge election issue a few years back was those natural gas power plants that that were built because the wind wasn't making enough energy. No one in the cities wanted them in the cities. I don't blame them, really. Who wants to look at a natural gas power plant to see them, to be near them? So they had to cancel them with a huge penalty. I mean, it's true, gas, coal, nuclear plants are unsightly, but you know what, they're what? 1% the physical size of a solar or wind farm that produces the same energy. And there's the transmission lines too. What a disaster the whole thing is. You know, in Germany, only 8% of transmission lines have been built in recent years because of opposition, including from real environmentalists who actually want to protect real wildlife, by the way. 8% of proposed transmission lines. 92% have been blocked. Here's some statistics from Der Spiegel, another German newspaper that's looking into these scams and schemes. You know, it's been about 20 years and about $3 trillion since Germany started its whole green schemes. 20 years, trillions. And Germany barely gets a third of its energy from green sources. The rest is still coal, gas, and nuclear trillions they spend. They still burn more fossil fuels. If you're worried about fossil fuels, I'm not, but Germany says they are. Well, why not do what France did? Build a bunch of nukes instead of wind turbines. Nukes that work all the time. And Der Spiegel points out many of those wind turbines in Germany, 20 years now, they're going to be decommissioned. Plus, their 20-year subsidies, which kicked in in about 2000, they're wrapping up now. Trillions of dollars. Energy is more expensive now than before. They didn't actually do what they said they'd do, get off carbon. I'm pro-carbon. I don't believe in the theory of man-made global warming. But well, let's be honest, this was not about global warming. This was about getting subsidies and gaming the system and padding the pockets of green scheme lobbyists and it's over, at least in Germany. Schellenberger has a horse in this race. He's pro-nuke. I am too, absolutely. I'm pro any energy that actually works and makes some sense economically, as in doesn't need a fake subsidy. Here's an interesting comment from Schellenberger. He said, had California and Germany invested 
$680 billion into new nuclear power plants instead of renewables like solar and wind farms, the two would already be generating 100% or more of their electricity from clean, low emissions energy sources. He's right. I mean, it's just true that nuclear plants, you could buy all of them for a trillion dollars. But then where do all the Earth Hour con men, all the recyclers, all the scolds, all the carbon taxes, where do they go to grift? You don't need a carbon tax if you have nuke. You don't need Greta Thunberg and the children of the corn. That's the thing, like so many problems, the left actually doesn't want to solve them because they want the perpetual fight. Democrat politicians don't actually want to clean up inner cities like Baltimore, where I was a few weeks ago, or Detroit, because they're not, well, I mean, if they, if they solve a problem, then the politician's not important anymore. I believe a lot of these terrible politicians on the left prefer welfare over work because then they're important and needed if people are desperate. Give someone a job, they don't have to rely on a politician anymore. Same with these green scares. Nuclear energy, natural gas, whatever you're into, you could actually power the world with low carbon energy if you worry about that. But that would then solve the crisis, take the blame off us. You need a crisis to perpetuate big government. So let me give the last word to Schellenberger. He says, the transition to renewables was doomed because modern industrial people, no matter how romantic they are, do not want to return to pre-modern life. The reason renewables can't power modern civilization is because they were never meant to. Exactly, or put another way, the day I see David Suzuki and Al Gore and Greta Thunberg and Catherine McKenna living like they actually believe we have an environmental catastrophe, until that moment, I'm not going to believe we have an environmental catastrophe. It's just a con. But it looks like, at least in some parts, that con, that con it's coming to a decrepit end, just like so many useless, rusting wind turbines. Stay with us for more. So when school started in August this year, I decided that this was enough. I sat myself down on the ground outside the Swedish parliament. I school striked for the climate. Some people say that I should be in school instead. Some people say that I should study to become a climate scientist so that I can solve the climate crisis. But the climate crisis has already been solved. We already have all the facts and solutions. All we have to do is to wake up and change. And why should I be studying for a future that soon will be no more? That's Greta Thunberg, a 16-year-old girl who, by her own testimony and that of her parents, is deeply mentally disturbed. She has various mental illnesses and conditions. She's been depressed, and rather than taking her into a happy place and removing these apocalyptic fears from a woman of tender years, her family has done the opposite. They've retailed her, they've promoted her, they've made her a sort of rock star, but instead of singing pop tunes, she sings the talking points of the apocalyptic left. No wonder she's so depressed. She's a global warming extremist who thinks we have years, or is it months, left to live. I'm not sure what the latest is. Uh, she has taken European parliaments by storm. 
but didn't find a way to get over to North America that wouldn't be ripped apart as hypocritical until the owners of a multi-million dollar high-tech yacht, a sailboat, said, we can sail you across the sea, and you can say that is a carbon-neutral jaunt, and I suppose it is if you ignore the multi-million dollar cost of the high-tech sailboat and the fact that the entire crew that's with her will jet back to Europe. So there'll be six flights, not just one. But she is coming to America where she'll be met, of course, with rapt applause by the left. And do you doubt she'll come to Canada too to be embraced by Justin Trudeau and Catherine McKenna? But I saw a rare dissenting report on Greta Thunberg in the Sunday Times of London, perhaps the most prestigious newspaper in the United Kingdom. And it goes through with meticulous detail the reality of Greta Thunberg. No, she's not a multinational mastermind at the age of 16. She's a puppet working for multinational masterminds, most of whom are investors in technology that competes with oil and gas. Green lobbyists pouring millions of dollars into Greta Thunberg for the hope of billion dollars in return. Joining us now via Skype to talk about this is our friend Mark Morano, the boss of ClimateDepot.com. Mark, great to see you. Thank you, Ezra. Happy to be here. You know, it's difficult to take on a young girl, especially, she's 16, but she looks younger. She wears ponytails and dresses, I'd say she dresses like she's 12 or 13. She has a an unusual look to her that makes her look even younger. I think she has some, I'm not going to call them disabilities, but let's just say conditions. Um, but all of that serves to blunt any criticism of her, because if you dare criticize the fact that this is a young, unschooled girl, I mean, literally, she went on a school strike to protest the climate, who's regurgitating talking points, if you point that out, well, you're obviously sexist and ageist and ableist. Uh, I think it's a brilliant scam to shut critics up. Yes. In fact, here's what's happening here. She you know, came on the scene pretty much last year with all these school strikes, and she was at, attended the UN Climate Summit, which I attended in Poland last year. And that she inspired in the United States uh, back in March, I believe it was April, a whole day school strike here with the climate activists. But what's happened here with Greta, she has become, the media is using her as bait. Climate activists are using her as bait. Scientific American publication came after me personally, not for anything I said or did, but because I retweeted uh, you know, some some what they considered unkind comments about Greta. So now we're, you know, of course, I retweet everyone, you know, on the extreme ends of all sides of the climate debate. I have a lot of fun on my debate. But what's happened is the media has set her up. And if anyone dare go after her, and we saw one, Andrew Bolt in Australia, who they had, I think his newspaper pulled the tweet about his article because they got such pressure from the establishment. How dare you criticize a girl with a disability? Yet yeah, you have the audacity to criticize her. Yet on the other hand, Ezra, she's going to be the keynote speaker this year. She's going to be the, the only face that matters at the United Nations Summit here in New York City coming in the United States in the third week of September. She'll also be the keynote speaker out at the UN Summit in Santiago, Chile. And yet she's out there spouting all this nonsense. She wants governments to act to save kids like her from climate devastation as though governments can regulate it. And if you dare criticize her, 
not only are you a child bully, but you are someone who's mean to people with disabilities. And this is how they have it set up. She's the perfect, from beginning to end, uh, you know, puppet slash spokesman for this movement because she embodies everything that they want to do. Indoctrinate kids, intimidate their opponents, uh, and come up with, with platitudes of utter nonsense on a minute-by-minute -minute basis if you follow her on Twitter. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've talked about her before on the show. You and I have, in fact. And it's one thing to use a child to stop an adult from engaging in a vigorous debate. And that's obviously a tactic here, and it's what the left does. It's for the children. I mean, they, oh, you're not against children, are you? But what I find gross here is that Thunberg is, is targeting other children, and she has this yeah. suicidal depression. You know, the old saying, smiles are contagious. Well, it, it's obviously not contagious like a virus, but it is true. You see someone smile, your human reaction is to smile. Depression and suicide are contagious in the same way. As in, if you hear someone extremely depressed, making the case for depression, I mean, you, suicide often happens in clusters because someone sees a suicide and they say, oh, he took the way out, I'll do it too. So uh, obviously it's not contagious in the way that an actual bacteria is contagious, but it is true socially that mental illness is, is contagious. And that's what I find so deeply disturbing here. Take a look at this clip. You can find a dozen of these online of other children of tender years being told that we have only a few years to die, we're all gonna die, the world is evil, and people are forcing us to die. Take a quick look at this. A lot of people are like, oh, um, what about the people in the oil industries, and the electronic industries, and the paper industries? Well, it doesn't really matter what job you have if you're dead. And we're like, the world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. That's my chief objection to Greta Thunberg. It's not that she's a propagandist that adults can't refute. It's that she is literally, I think she's abused herself. Her parents are abusing her, in my mind. Her mother's autobiography, talking about how they manipulate their daughter, is abusive. But they're using her to abuse other children. That's my view, and I don't care who criticizes me for having it. And, and they will criticize you for saying anything remotely critical of her. But you're absolutely right. One of the most disturbing elements of the Greta phenomena is her impact on other kids. We have now kids all over Twitter, social media, in elementary school, junior high and high school, being inspired by her. They want to be like her. Now, when you say that, you have to understand what being like her is like. This is a girl who is deeply, deeply depressed because she thinks the world's going to end unless the EU parliament or the United States government starts passing laws to save future generations. And she's coming to New York. They're, gonna, they're calling it the Youth Climate Action Day. She's going to be speaking to them. She's going to be meeting these kids. Everyone, you know, I think it was Mark Stein, the humorist and author who said, this is the only, you know, the climate religion is the only religion where you have to feel good about feeling bad. Hmm. And that's what they're going to do here. So Greta's going to come and make all these kids feel like they have no future and put the burden on all these kids. It's up to these kids hmm. to miss more school. In the case of Greta, she's taken not a day off, not once a week like she used to. She's taken the whole next year off, yeah. Ezra, to travel around the world. Uh, and we'll see how she gets to Chile. I think that's been not yet been determined. Maybe it would be by animal cart. Uh, you know, crossing over the uh, 
Panama Canal. I'm not sure yet. Well, I should tell you that uh, animals, of course, have a higher carbon footprint than efficient, uh, efficient fossil fuel travel. Of course, animals uh, eat grass and emit uh, emissions. Um, just like the myth that uh, on, uh, what's that, turn off the lights hour, earth hour, uh, people who think that lighting candles is... Uh, is more environmental than electric light. Of course, candles emit more emissions if you're worried about that, and I'm not. Let me quote a little bit from this Sunday Times article because it's quite something that a prestigious newspaper like the Times would take on a sacred cow like Greta Thunberg. They talk about the, um, the professional PR man behind Thunberg. There's, of course, her, uh, her celebrity mother, her activist father, uh, but the key man is Ingmar Rentzog, the founder of a social media platform called We Don't Have Time, who studied under Al Gore. Let me read just one paragraph from this Times of London. So when Greta met Rentzog, he was the salaried chairman of a private think tank owned by a former social democrat minister with a background in the energy sector. His board was stacked with powerful sectoral interests, including career social democrat politicians, union leaders, and lobbyists with links to Brussels. And his board's vice chairwoman, Ringborg, was a member of one of Sweden's most powerful green energy investment groups. So uh, I have no doubt that Greta believes what she's saying. Um, you know, if, if your parents and every grown-up around you says it, if that's the only point of view you hear, you believe it. If you're mentally disturbed to begin with, if you've been suicidal, depressed, I have no doubt she believes it. But the people behind the scenes, they're not depressed. They're not suicidal. They're ambitious. They're powerful. They're optimistic because they found a marketing tool and they're all about getting green grants to win, build, I don't know, wind turbines, solar panels. They're not depressed at all. They're thrilled. Yes. And when the story continues to come out, and kudos to the Times of London for writing this, there have been other exposés uh, in Breitbart and other European publications detailing this financial system behind her. The, the media and the activists want you to think she just appeared out of nowhere, but she is a manufactured, a manufactured spokesman for the climate movement. And this is designed so no one can criticize. And she is a puppet of this, this group behind it, which as you mentioned, even goes back to Al Gore training groups and the, the structural funding behind her. And as she comes to the United States, as she heads off to South America for the UN summit, she only promises to get bigger and bigger in her movement. I mean, we're now, she's taking a whole year off of school. She's inspiring, in quotes, all of these kids. And the more you dig into this, the more the whole story stinks. And the Times of London goes through just, I don't want to call them lies, but just what her parents say, oh, you know, we never met so-and-so before. And then later they find accounts where they had known them at least months before. Yeah. So there was all kinds of collusion planning and behind the scenes. And then after the fact, when she's a big celebrity, all kinds of whitewashing of the history to make it look like it was just this spontaneous teenage girl who rose up. And by the way, I think she dresses more like a 10-year-old or a 9-year-old. And she has the pigtails and she tries to look a simple little dress. They want people to think she's in elementary school, not 16 going on 17 uh, in high school. Yeah. Yeah. They're deliberately infantilizing her. And it's shocking the contrast between she looks quite young. She's got a, a, a semi-autistic style. She has a, a, an unnatural gaze. I think, I mean, I, I say again for the third time, 
her own family and she herself says she's mentally ill or has been in the past, I don't think that people like that ought to be abused or for, for those uh, eccentricities to be what's retailed. I should say, though, in answer to your question, the kind of rebuttal that we see in the Sunday Times will be digested and chewed over by people like you and me. But 99% of people who receive Greta Thunberg's propaganda won't know, won't care, won't hear about it. And if they hear about it, they'll just brush it off. David Suzuki in our country uh, has been on the take of foreign uh, foundations forever. He takes money from uh, companies that have an interest, whether it's salmon farming. He was against salmon farming. He, uh, and he took huge grants from the wild fishing industry of Alaska, just for example. Uh, Al Gore took a multi-hundred million dollar uh, payout from Qatar. To, I mean, when you find the dirty facts about these climate activists, the left doesn't care. They don't really care. They, in fact, they say, good, one of our side is finally getting paid. I don't think that this will disillusion anyone who's already not a skeptic. I think uh, the primary target, fellow kids, don't care, won't even hear it, won't even understand it. And the media, which should be skeptical, they don't because they are embedded activists themselves. And they'll just brush this off. And, and if anything, they'll nitpick journalists who criticize, as you mentioned, has happened in Australia. Last word to you, Mark. Well, I mean, if, not in Australia, but you mentioned this you, Times, the Times of uh, Sunday Times story. The author of that piece will be under fire. And I assume they're an establishment member of the media. The New York Times actually ran an op-ed basically going after Greta, talking about the movement. And there were calls on Twitter from mainstream climate activists. I've had it. I'm canceling my subscription to the New York Times just for even having an article mildly, mildly critical of Greta. They take this is St. Greta to the uh, to the left. And you're right. They could care one bit of how she was created. All they know is she has spontaneously appeared in the media and they are going to go gaga over her. She's coming to the United States. She's going to South America. This is the age of Greta. She's not going anywhere. She is going. She has now replaced Leonardo DiCaprio, Al Gore, uh, the United Nations. She is the face of global warming today. There is no one even close uh, that could that it could eclipse her in the near future. She is the number one global warming spokesman. Yeah, you know what I should say? She was even on the cover of GQ magazine. It's not exactly a magazine for men anymore. Uh, certainly not a magazine of the right. It's a magazine for social justice warriors on the left. Just, just you're right. She's ubiquitous and she's coming to America hard. Mark, great to see you again. Thanks for your time today. Thank you, Ezra. Appreciate All right. it. There you have it, Mark Morano, the boss of ClimateDepot.com. Stay with us. More ahead on the Rebel. Welcome back. What did you think of the show today? You know, I, I couldn't believe it when I saw that tweet by this fellow Schellenberger, and I frankly never heard of him before. Um, Germany's actually taking out more wind turbines than they're putting in. 82% decline in putting them. I couldn't believe it, but he proved it. He had the stats. You know, uh, there's not a lot of countries anymore Canada can point to and say, they're doing it, they're doing it. They used to point to Spain. They used to point to Germany. Both those countries are saying, we can't afford it anymore. UK, too. We're the last fools left. Oh, well. That's our show for today. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom.